Welcome to GP's Pangeo Perspectives, your guide to global growth, where we explore opportunities and ideas that come with global team building, business expansion, and compliance for companies everywhere. Hello, everyone. Pangeo is an idea inspired by the 300 million year old supercontinent, Pangea, when the Earth's landmasses were united as one. Today, the world is reuniting once again as businesses everywhere seek opportunities beyond borders and boundaries. So let's explore the future of business with voices from around the world. As we look for success, we all can share. Welcome to GP's Pangeo Perspectives, your guide to global growth. On today's show, we're going to talk about the changing relationship between employers and employees and how companies can build new work models that work for both them and global talent and still remain fully compliant in a rapidly changing global environment. I'm excited to be joined by two of my GP colleagues, Tiffany Cruz, Senior Employment Council Manager, and Michelle Federson, Senior Director of Global Payroll. And I'm your host, Thomas Merchant, Director of International Brand Management at GP. Now let's get started. Tiffany, Michelle, welcome. So good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. We're dealing with rapidly shifting employment models from all around the world today, which include project-based work, full-time employees, contractors, digital nomads, permalancers, the list goes on. Tiffany, how does that change the way we think about work itself? Well, Thomas, again, it's great to be on the show. I'm very excited to be here. This is such a hot topic for the entire world. It is very exciting because this current state of global employment really allows employees and employers to really tap into something that they never envisioned for their companies and for their own professional goals. For instance, companies are no longer tied to just, let me find someone within this state or this zip code to work for us. Now you can like look into the globe and figure out where in the world are the best talent for my company. It really allows employees to also branch out and expand their professional goals while traveling. It really allows so much flexibility on both sides of the market. Before, people were very, I feel like, restricted. Now, I feel like it's more flexibility. But with that flexibility, it's really the onus is on the employer to figure out, okay, if someone really wants to go anywhere, everywhere, there are rules that the employee won't think of. I have a passport. Do you have work authorization to be in Zimbabwe? Are there tax issues? All these different things that have to cloud the employer's brain, the employee is not thinking about. So compliance, compliance, compliance is such a huge issue for our companies to be able to allow the employee to work anywhere. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you don't have to hire people within a 50-kilometer radius of your offices anymore, or even in your own country, is so exciting how expanded the global talent pool is. But it comes with its set of compliance issues that you really have to adhere to. Thank you for that, Tiffany. Michelle, with all these new possibilities, what do companies have to watch out for to take advantage of these opportunities, but as we've been saying, compliantly? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tom. And great stuff, Tiffany. And we come across that stuff every day. I think the most important thing that business can do is decide what is their need, right? Come up with their business plan. 
do they have a mobility issue? Do they have someone already in mind or employed by them that wants to move to a different region or a different country or a different locality? Or are they looking to hire in a specific region? You know, there's certain job pools where there's strengths around engineering or sales. What's that company need? And from that need, then they can build their actionable plan. And it's important to understand what region they want to be in, what country they want to be in, because that's then going to dictate all of sort of the actions that need to follow. And there's quite a bit of them around the compliance. I would kind of like to address that. There's this issue here in the global environment that with the more new models that are embraced around the world, which are exciting and fantastic, the more rules keep changing and we need to keep up with them, right? So let's talk about the challenges of marrying flexibility with strong global compliance. Michelle, where does it all start? Well, I think it all starts with where am I today? Where is my business today? Do I have entities in a country? Do I need to register to have an entity? Do I have an entity, but maybe I don't have the expertise in-house to manage the HR, manage employment contracts, the payroll, all of the things, the compliance, the finance side? There's so much that goes into sponsoring employment in any given country. And so if you don't have an entity there or you don't have the appropriate registration to have a payroll in that country it's likely that you're going to have to go outside of that box, right, to a company like GP. But if you do have an entity, it also doesn't necessarily mean that you have the expertise in-house and the support staff to be able to do the full function, that full cycle of what is required to employ within that country. So I think it's really taking a look at that full circle piece, what am I going to need, and making sure that you've got the advice and the expertise that's going to let you know what you do need in order to do that full life cycle of the employee, as we call it. Yeah, there's some serious navigation that's needed there. I always say, don't go it alone. You can't talk about global without talking about executing locally. As you've just said, the age-old expression, which I love, think globally, act locally, really does come into play here. So compliance, which sounds kind of like rigid rules to follow and clear boxes to check, is actually really dynamic and flexible. How can companies keep up, Tiffany? Thomas, it's incredibly difficult to keep up. I think people feel like, oh, there's this rule, we will follow it. It changes that rule. It is so dynamic globally and locally. For instance, you know, even in like Canada, people say, oh, these are the rules in Canada. Their provinces, their territories. Quebec has what I call like the California of Canada. There are rules that apply. People don't understand the fact that like in the U.S., we have at-will employment. For the most part, there's one state that doesn't. But most countries require notice, require severance, a process, even small things like, oh, in the U.S., hey, I want to terminate someone. This is for a non-discriminatory reason. No problem. Go to the Netherlands. You may have to get court approval to terminate someone. So even when someone wants to locate outside of their country, it is very difficult because you have to understand not just know where to go look, but how the laws apply, the process. And if you don't have a lawyer in country, you can't go to court if you're not permitted to actually work in that court, practice in that court. But going back to just the rules, say, for instance, oh, you have an entity like Michelle said, but you don't have the expertise, the staff, the resources to keep up. Laws change without notice. 
Sometimes you find out in the New York Times when you wake up, oh, some state in the U.S. decided to do away with all non-competes. How does that work? Who does that apply to? You don't get a memo. Oh, that would be so nice. Here is your new memo. It's coming out in 30 days. Get ready for it. No. Sometimes you find out that day and it's retrospective and then you're trying to play catch up. So you have to really have a system, the resources set up where, for instance, at GP, we're looking at working with local council. We set up ticklers to figure out what is changing and we have to keep our eyes and ears to the ground to figure out what is changing because it's not just for the country. Sometimes in countries, they have conflicting laws and then you have to decide Which way to go? Because the law doesn't really direct you. Pick your passion, your adventure, but you have to assess liability. So you have to have a team to figure out whichever path we decide, this is what we are, you know, possibly could be potentially liable for and make a business decision going forward. It's super up to date because not only is that there's that gray area, they're changing constantly, times that by close to 200 countries around the globe. That's a lot of stuff to follow. All right, Michelle, what mistakes do you see companies making along the way? Some of the pitfalls to be aware of. So I think really a lot of companies that sort of find trouble along the way is lack of planning, lack of understanding, especially when we look at U.S.-centric companies who maybe haven't done business in APAC or EMEA. They're quite used to the way U.S. focus, right? We have contract, we have at-will employment per Tiffany's information, it's a lot different when you move to other countries. And having that understanding and be able to plan and also budget around that is really important. And I think that you have to have that guidance. It's not just about, okay, here's your offer, here's your employment. Let's say we have our entity or we don't have that, but we decided this person's going to do payroll for us and we're working that out. Here's the contract. There's so much more that goes into paying an employee. There's a lot of arms. Payroll at the end of the day is an administrative process, but before it gets to that actual process, there's benefits, there's HR, there's legal, there's finance side. So making sure that you understand that full perspective and then looking at what is your compensation makeup? What is part of this contract? and that you're following those rules. A couple of things to throw out. In Latin America, we have Brazil, for example, very strict rules around payment time, making sure that you pay someone on the contractual date. And if you do not, you're subject to paying them a full month's salary. In other countries, there's penalties around taxation or if you didn't report a taxable event. We manage a lot of taxable events around equity an equity compensation for our customers. And if there is a taxable event that is due on a vesting date, for example, for something like a restricted stock unit or exercise taxability around an option, if that's not reported within the proper amount of time according to that country compliance, you then end up with having to do an amendment or a tax fine. And those can be rather costly. And in the U.S., we're so used to sort of this annual, we can amend anything within a year, a calendar year. Many countries are different. They do month-to-month close. They have different fiscal years. So you really have to be mindful of what the rules are in order to handle your administrative processes. And it seems like it goes both ways. It's not just they're advantageous 
situations for the employer in certain countries on certain things. And then there are advantageous situations for the employee. And you have to take all that into account because there's a lot going on there. Absolutely. All right. Well, listen, it's absolutely clear that a significant number of workers are leaning towards project-based freelance contractor work these days, right? According to a 2022 statistical report, over 70 million Americans are now independent contractors. And by 2027, that number is expected to grow to 86.5 million, more than 50% of the U.S. workforce. And I find that astonishing. So what can companies that haven't already dived in do to get ready to? Is there some advice you can give them? So Michelle mentioned plan, plan, plan. You really have to do all this work beforehand because you have to figure out, one, what are the rules? We go back to compliance. What are the rules in the country where you're going to hire someone? Does someone actually need a business license before you actually hire them? And you don't want to hire them incorrectly because why? Misclassifications. Then we go back to Thomas penalties. Oh, actually, you misclassified me. I was an employee. Now you owe me benefits and all these other things. And we go back to payroll taxes, all these other fun list of things that you forgot to pay me because you decided to call me a contractor, but you didn't plan and get your resources and assessment in place to figure out what you need to have in place just to hire me. And then we get into more of like adapting them. Like you decide, yes, we can hire them. We have all the things in place. You want to make sure contractually that you have all of the right clauses that are in there. Sometimes, for instance, people think, oh, non-competes apply to employees. Well, they may apply to also a contractor, but in some countries you still can include them into the contract. And sometimes just including them in will void the whole contract. Or sometimes you can sever that one clause so you don't know. So that's why a company like GP, the contractor solution, is something great to partner with us because it is hard and it's very easy to misclassify someone and easy to have the penalty stack up on you without even knowing. Well, and I think it's very interesting what you just said, Tiffany, in the sense that if you're not used to hiring contractors and you do because you're, you're wanting to do something internationally and that's sort of the easier route to go, you have to be very careful not to treat them the same way you treat your employees. And you could fall into that by default. Oh, well, I'll just treat everybody the same. And you have to be really careful. So interesting stuff. Again, you know, I just always say, great. One of the most exciting moments in a company's history to go global, but make sure you don't do it alone. So Michelle, how do you prepare for this massive change? Any other things you'd like to throw in there? Yes. For me, from the payroll side, finance side, I think money movement is always a huge consideration too. It's not like years ago, back when I started in payroll, you could just wire money wherever you wanted. I have someone in China. I have someone here. I can just get them paid. They're a contractor for us. You have to be very mindful. Some countries don't even recognize contract employment, or if you do have them as a contractor, you also have to offer them some benefits or some other allowances or such that you would normally offer to other employees. So again, going back to that country by country, local expertise that you really need to define if they are able to be a contractor, what additionally do I have to provide to them? And do I have my money movement in place? Am I able to handle the banking to and from the employing country to the contractor country? So that 
has come up and definitely is where you need some expertise as well. Yeah. No. Okay. Let's talk about the big elephant in the room here, the potential consequences, right? We don't want to get scary here, but it's no small thing. The penalties for missing the mark can be enormous, and it's multiplied by every employee and country you're in. Michelle, can you give us an idea about the scope of the challenges and potential penalties we're talking about here that you've witnessed or experienced in the past? Sure. So I touched on it a little bit around employment itself, pay dates, timelines. Certain countries have rules, just as we do in the U.S., around pay periods and pay timing and needing to be paid by a certain date, making sure that you're fulfilling all of the employment requirements. Some countries require employers to do an upfront physical for the employee. Some countries require certain benefits to be in place. You have to make sure that your taxes are funded timely to the tax offices in the way they expect. Many of them require electronic filings, so you need your in-country experts Some countries, like Belgium, have registered payroll providers where you're actually, and this is the case in Germany as well, the payroll platforms are connected to the tax offices. So every time a payroll is processed or a payment is made for employees, that information goes directly to those tax offices. And tax offices, like in the UK, feed tax amounts back into the systems. And so it's important to understand who your vendors are that they also are following that compliance and they're making sure that they're doing it on your behalf in a timely and compliant way. Tax fines are a big hurt for companies. And when companies don't report compensation correctly, they're also tasked with doing amendments and amendments usually come with fines and they're costly for the administrative aspects of it. There's another piece to it also outside of payroll, and that's time and leave. So payroll has a lot of arms, right? It's not just about paying someone their gross-to-net salary, gross-to-net payments. And along that compensation line, there's so many countries that dictate exactly how that needs to be done. And in addition, there's a lot of time and leave matters that come up in some of these countries. And there's requirements around that. And in many EMEA countries, for example, if someone goes on a leave, and these leaves are managed by the social offices in a statutory fashion, then you have to make sure that you're following that process. And sometimes it involves a company's policy. Are they doing a top-up for a leave? The employee might be receiving a social payment directly from a country tax office, and then you've got to sort of monitor that. Possibly you're paying them and receiving the funds back. So there's a lot of different movement around time and attendance, leaves, making sure that you're tracking that appropriately for people within a country. And that also sort of factors into the payroll. State, country regulations versus private companies. Wow, there's a lot to take in there. So Tiffany, is it even possible or realistic for companies to handle this by themselves? Great question, Thomas. No, it's not. It is really difficult to handle it. Even if you have just one country, it's hard to keep up with it. For one, you have to be an expert. If you don't have the resources, dedicated resources, not just the people, but actually the programs and actually systems in place to keep track of all the changes, it's nearly impossible. And the changes happen without warning. You don't get a memo from the government or the local judge about what's going to happen You just sometimes find out in New York Times, Gmail, you get something. 
are you sometimes it's on your local news. They just passed this, you know, a local ordinance. And I think the hardest thing is for companies to realize is it's not just a country law. It's on every level, right? And it's also not just employment, but tax. And nowadays it's about transparency, about whistleblowing or pay equity and things like that. And it's very hard to keep up with. And it's not just knowing the law, but how do you actually comply with it? Sometimes you need committees. Do you have enough employees to even create a committee? How do you do the committee ethically and compliantly? So you have to have the expertise to help you figure out what do you need to do and partner with them continuously because things change all the time. And I take it you won't get a pass if you play it dumb and just say, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> oh, I that, wasn't works, in, that works almost never, right? You know, never. stupidity, <laughs> you know, amnesia, no good defense. <laughs> no good defense. Yeah, I wasn't in the know about it. I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't get the so, memo. I, mean, it seems I like, didn't get the memo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get the memo. The bottom line is don't go it alone. We were talking about compensation a bit. And, and Michelle, you talked about how it's not just salary that you get. It means more than, than just that. Anything you'd like to add about compensation, Michelle, and what needs to be taken into consideration? Like I've been saying about everything, country by country. So uh, compensation is much more than just a salary and a contract. There's a lot of considerations around benefits, around possibly if your organization offers equity compensation, and to make sure that you understand the various compensation models globally. I'll give you a couple of examples. In EMEA, we have the 13th, 14th month in many countries. So a lot of companies will come and say, this is going to be the annual salary, and they think they're done at that point. But it goes far beyond that. There's calculations specific to countries, which then take that annual salary and sort of break it out into that monthly salary. Most global companies are either paid monthly or or semi-monthly. And making sure that you understand what that bottom line is for that employee or that professional or that contractor based on what that annual salary is. In addition to the annual salary, there might be premiums. There's vacation liability payouts. There's vacation premiums. In some countries, when an employee takes a vacation, they actually get a little more money than their normal monthly salary because there's a special calculation that's done for that time off. So really understanding that, knowing how to report it, knowing how to cost it for your budget and work with your finance team on that is really important. Yeah, I think one aspect that people forget is cultural aspects, impact, and you cannot apply the law, assess the law without considering the cultural impact of it. How does this work? And having some in-country experts to say, hey, this is what the law, what is actually happening on the ground? How does this work? You know, because sometimes there are laws on the books that are not complied with. Companies just don't do them. Yes, you could, but people, the in-country person may say, no, this is not necessary. We don't actually, aren't required to do that. Or administratively impossible to do. That is always the fun (laughs) life. Yeah. You don't want to go down that rabbit hole, right? You don't want to do that. No. Because you may lose professionals, employees, if you do that, because although they pass the law, this is not actually being followed or it's administratively impossible. And you only know that because you have someone in country who's an expert. Someone local is so very important. Okay, great. Well, listen, so there are plenty of challenges that we've talked about already and certainly some pitfalls. 
But at GP, we always like to focus on the new opportunities and the new possibilities that come with, with global expansion, because that's, that's the exciting part. Tiffany, what can companies that do find a way to embrace more flexible models stand to gain? There's got to be many rewards awaiting them. Oh, of course. I think the biggest thing is tapping into the talent that you may not have locally. Doing your research to figure out in the different regions, there may be certain industries, certain professions that are in certain regions. So you can tap into that, but you have to do your research, right? And figure out what is the pay? What's the market for them there? How do I onboard them? It goes back to how do I hire them? Is this going to be an employee? What's the currency? Even thinking about the world and the economic climate of it. What happens when your currency changes value? How do we build that into the contract? But really looking around the world to figure out First, look inside. What do you all need? Maybe you have to reassess, realign, reevaluate your business needs and your flexibility because some companies, they're like, no, this is how we built the company. This is how we're going to stay. But I think you have to flex and really rethink what your vision is for the company and embrace like the new workforce to figure out how can we tap into talent that we don't have here? And you may have to sell it to the board to figure out If you want to expand and really grow the company or whatever industry it is, let's go get this talent that we are not even able to get right here. And it goes back to, again, okay, you want to hire someone in Quebec. How do I do that? You have to understand notice and prior service and budget, like Michelle mentioned, is very important because maybe a U.S. company says, oh, we can let go someone, no problem. But if you want to hire in another country, you have to budget for it. If this becomes a long-term employee, how much do you have to pay them? Required severance. Not something to say, you know, oh, sign a release, but something that is required. And then maybe you have to budget for additional consideration payments if you want to get a release. So they really have to, like, think outside the box. It's a huge world. There's lots of talent that I think companies aren't aware of. So you may have to partner with a company like GP to figure out, like, where's the talent? Do you all have some resources that can help us figure out where we can find people in different areas that we don't have on staff already. One last question for you. Do either of you see one flexible model emerging to handle all of this? Or are we looking at multiple new models that have to be managed all at the same time? I try to think about things regionally. I think that global regions tend to gear in the same direction, certainly not identical. It's country to country. It's local to local. The Tiffany's point, province to province. But I think you can understand the better overview of how to administer when you look regionally. So at the very minimum, I think there's multiple there because every region is going to have different requirements. But I also think that you're never going to be able to have one answer for anything because things are always changing. So it's really about understanding that full life cycle of what it takes to hire, pay, and give someone the benefits that they need within a country and make sure that you have the different options and roads that you need to take available to you to do it successfully. And it sounds like if there was only one model, it would make your job very boring. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I wouldn't mind that, Tom, <laughs> but I don't think that's happening anytime soon. But it keeps us gamefully employed because it's Job security, things are always changing. And it's fun to look at the trends. Like even for instance, for like pay equity, pay transparency in the US. Oh, you know, about having to put 
job salary and compensation on job postings. It's not in every state, you know, but if you are actually posting something remotely and it could be done from anywhere in the U.S., then you have to actually put the salary. And then B.C., British Columbia, in Canada, they enacted a legislator where they're going to require that soon. The EU has amended, you know, their pay transparency directive. And surprisingly, a part of it is about pay transparency on job postings. So it is very interesting to see how the regions change, the laws change, and sometimes it skips overseas and then they catch on to it and then it's there also. But you really are going to have a mixture. The laws change. Once you think you understand something, then something changes, even within the country. Because again, local laws matter as well. So you really have to like embrace the change. You have to have resources like GP. You have to, because things are changing so much that you can't keep up with them by yourself. So you need a team of experts to be able to do that. Well, it's some really fantastic, riveting stuff. Compliance, I think some people would think, oh my gosh, compliance. And I'm, <laughs> but there's so much to it. We make it exciting. You guys make it exciting. <laughs> so I want to extend a major thank you to you, Tiffany and Michelle, for generously offering your time, your expertise, and discussing these new models that can work for us all, right? While very importantly, staying compliant in this ever-changing work environment. And thank you to our listeners. We hope you gained some invaluable insights from this conversation. If you enjoyed the show, please like us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. I'm Thomas Merchant. You've been listening to Pangeo Perspective, presented by GP. Thank you, everyone. Thank Thank you, you, Tom. Tom.